The Red Light District by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 2. Meet Charlie Stevenson. The cruiser with Polanski and Harvey in the rear turned off the dirt road and zoomed up Route 77 toward the town over a mile to the north. Polanski stared at the hideous figure in front of him. He tried to brush some of the cake blood off Harvey's undershirt as the station wagon barreled past rows of tiny stucco houses leading to the center. He noticed a small portion of a folded piece of paper in the front pocket of Harvey's work pants. He pulled it out and unfolded the bloodstained paper. It was written in scraggly handwriting, but legible. Help me stamp out the red light district before it's too late. The future of the world is at stake. Plansky shook his head as he looked out the window and then reread the note. His voice was subdued as he spoke slowly. This sure is in Harvey's handwriting. What's the matter, Joe? asked Luke from the front. Here, I found this in his pocket, said Polanski as he handed the note to the deputy. Luke studied it and then handed it to Ferguson as they neared the center of town. That ain't Harvey's writing, Joe, said Ferguson. Nope. What do you think it means, Joe? Johnny, I don't know what it means. Maybe we should just let Frank handle this, said Polanski. That's right, Pudge and what to do. They approached the town's only intersection. Luke shook his head as they approached the town's only intersection. The road to Temple City, the nearest town, was straight ahead, and Route 77 to Los Angeles was to the left. Luke screeched the cruiser around the corner and toward the hospital. A crowd, perhaps 30 people, had gathered around the emergency entrance of the Redstone Hospital. Sheriff Frank Jensen pushed his bulky body through the mass of people and stepped inside. He removed his Stetson hat and pulled his trousers over his sagging stomach as he waddled over to Polanski, who was pacing back and forth in front of the waiting room. Yo, Joe! Polanski stopped pacing and turned toward the gray-haired sheriff without saying a word. Joe, what's this I hear about Harvey being beat up? He asked. It's true, Frank. It's true. He nodded his head and twisted his lips nervously. How? Why? Frank, the guy from that miserable... I don't know. I don't know, said Polanski as he lost his composure. Yo, come on over here, buddy. Sit down. Calm down. He said as he put his arm around Polanski's shoulder. Look, let's go into the other room. We'll have some coffee and stop from the beginning, said Jensen as he led the beleaguered Polanski into the next room. The deputies watched Sunday morning cartoons on the television. Luke leaned forward and changed the channel. There ain't nothing on here, Pudge, but these cartoons, he said as he looked up at the sheriff. Gee, it's big problems, cartoons. He said as he sneered at Luke. Eddie, get these people the hell out of here. He said as he turned to his other deputy. Right, Pudge, he answered Ferguson as he rushed out of the room. Jensen looked around to Luke, who was staring at him. Well? He asked as he opened his eyes wide. Well, what? Asked the dumbfounded Luke. Get some coffee or something. He waved him out of the room as he sat down on the sofa with Polanski. Right, Pudge, said Luke as he fumbled his way out of the room. Jensen watched the clumsy Luke leave and Polanski looked despondently out the window. Idiot, he mumbled as he turned to Polanski. Okay, Joe, let's start this thing from the beginning. I talked to Ben Simpson and he said you gave Harvey some money to buy land, said Jensen. Is Ben coming over here? asked Polanski. He's on his way. Now what happened? Polanski took a deep breath. Let me get my bearings straight here. Today's the 7th, right? Yep. 
On Thursday night, Harvey called me from the Adobe, said Polanski as he strained under the pressure. You mean on the fourth when we had that party for you, said Jensen. That's right, Harvey left the party. Must have been before sunset and he called me later about 11. He wanted money, asked Jensen. Frank, he said this guy came in and offered him a good price for some land for sale near the church. $5,000, good price. I told him to have someone check out the land before he paid the guy. But you gave him the money anyways. Yes. Cash? Yup. Joe, this ain't really none of my business, but you've been hoodwinked by Harvey before, advised Jensen. Frank, you were supposed to meet this guy Stevenson at the lot Saturday night. Sam heard the whole thing at the Adobe, and Harvey told me that he'd either call me or see me in church just to let me know. He said as he lost control and put his head in his hands. Then he comes in all beat up. I can't believe it, he said, shaking his head. Okay, Joe, it's all right, said Jensen as he put his hand on his knee. I'll get on the phone and call Sam right now. He punched in the number but kept glancing at the confused Polanski. He answered the bar owner. Sam, this is Pudge. Harvey's been beat up pretty bad. From what Joe tells me, it was a guy named Stevenson. Harvey was beat up? Is he all right? Asked Sam. No, Sam. He's in rough shape and he may not make it, said Jensen. What do you want to know? We're at the hospital, Sam. Come on down here. You can tell us what you know about this guy Stevenson. I can't come down there right now. There's people in here. I can't. I just don't want to watch. Get your ass down here before I send one of my boys out to get you. All right, Pudge. All right. Ben Simpson, the editor of the Redstone Register and Polanski's boss, entered the emergency room. It's about the same height as Jensen, but much thinner. His receding black hair was combed to the side and filled with gray strands. As he opened his deep brown eyes, he spoke to the sheriff. Well, how is he? We don't know, Ben, said Jensen as he hung up the telephone. Well, where's Joe? asked Ben as he struck his buck teeth over his bottom lip. Polanski looked up from the sofa at his boss. Down here, Ben. Joe, Joe, how you doing? How am I doing, Ben? I'll tell you how I'm doing. I'm ready to wring this guy Stevens's neck. That's how I'm doing. Joe, we have to keep our heads if uh, Ben was interrupted by the presence of one of the doctors who entered the room in his green surgical clothes and was followed by Frank Jensen. Polanski sprang from the couch. How is he, doctor? asked Polanski. Well, there's massive internal hemorrhaging and infection. Chances are not very good, said the doctor. They really laid into him, didn't they? asked Jensen. Well, whatever happened, someone has severely tortured this man, replied the doctor. Those bastards. He banged his clenched fist into his open hand and turned toward the door as little Sam walked into the room. How is he? Bad, very bad, Sam. I got some coffee, Pudge, said Luke as he too came through the entrance with a tray of coffees. Jensen gave a sickening glance to his deputy and then spoke to the doctor. Doctor, thank you. Please call us if there's any change. I will, he said as he went back to the interior of the hospital. Okay, Sam, let's go in the other room and hash this out, ordered Jensen as they marched into the waiting room. Ben, Joe, said Sam as he nodded his head to each man. Let's have it, Sam. Harvey came into the bar after the party, right? Asked the sheriff. Yeah, the bar is empty. 
and then it cost him for hours. I seen Harvey driving his truck into the lot. Harvey opened the door to the bar room. He, he just came from a party at Joe's house. Sam relayed the story about Harvey as he thought back to Thursday night. Harvey had just come in from a party at Joe's house and was wearing a large blue and white Hawaiian shirt which covered the top of his Bermuda shorts. As he walked near the bar, he looked at his image in the mirror. He slipped back his brown hair and adjusted his oversized black glasses. Hello, Sam, he said as he leaned up against the patio on the side of the bar. He looked toward the TV monitor high on the wall. The front door to the bar room opened and a stranger walked inside. He was a tall, gray-haired man with a thin mustache. He had a blue plaid suit and a matching hat, with tiny little feathers on the side. He strolled up to the bar as Sam turned from the TV set. Hey, excuse me, he said quickly. Yes, sir, what can I do for you? asked Sam. Give me a whiskey on the rocks, he said as he sat on the stool. Sam poured the whiskey from one of the bottles behind the bar into a small glass and dropped in some ice. Here you go, sir, anything else? Fine, fine, fine. Nice place you have here. Good atmosphere, good location, and good service. Not often you get all three. Triple hitter, trifecta. Some places have excellent atmosphere. But they help, they're all sitting around in their fannies. You know what I mean? He asked as he clutched the glass but didn't drink. Sam tilted his head and prepared the answer, but the man spoke first. I gotta make a call to LA. I'll be right back. Harvey emerged from the bathroom cigarette in his mouth and still in the process of zippering up his fly. Hey, how you doing? Asked the man as Harvey completed the zipping of his fly. Yeah, answered Harvey and he turned and watched the man pick up the telephone. Friend of yours, Sam? He asked as he sat down. Never saw the guy before in my life. You want another beer, Harvey? I ain't never seen him, said Harvey as he listened to the man talking to the telephone. He just sat down, he ordered a whiskey and started babbling. To refill Harvey's stone. Shh, said Harvey. Let's hear what he's saying. The man leaned against the wall with his legs crossed and constantly rubbed his glossy white shoes together as he spoke. No, Mario, no, no, nothing, nothing. Look, he doesn't have the cash. We're trying to squeeze water out of the rocks, you know? What, tomorrow morning? Sunday at the latest. Look, Mario, I can't guarantee anything at this time. Talk about it when I get to LA, okay? Right, I'll see you then. He says he hung up the telephone and walked briskly over to the bar. One of my associates, they want the world on a silver platter. You know what I mean? He said as he set his hat on the bar, revealing a smartly groomed head of gray hair. What do you do, mister? Asked Hey, me? Oh, well, I'm in real estate. Name's Charlie Stevenson. He said as he took two small cards out of his suit pocket and handed each of them to the men. Both men studied the print on the white cards. Yep, Charlie Stevenson, 1122 North Hollywood Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. Travel all over the country, but I operate out of L.A. Get the lead on the land, I get in the car, and I scoot out to the deal, and then I close. How long have you been doing this? Asked Harvey as he meekly put out his cigarette and sipped on the beer. Stevenson continued to move his hands as he spoke quickly. I'll tell you, kid, I've been in this business for 30 years. I've sold property from skyscrapers in Manhattan to prairie grass in Texas. The boys in L.A., they want a deal closed, then they send in old Charlie Stevenson. I got the knowledge, I got the resources, I got the experience. It's a 
piece of cake. They send me in, they pay my mileage, I put the icing on the cake. You know what I mean? What brings you to Redstone, Mr. Stevenson? Said Sam as he leaned against the shelves stacked with bottles, and then he crossed his arms. I'm glad you asked that question, Mr. Uh, um, sorry, I didn't get your name. My name is Sam. Glad you asked me that, Sam. You called me out of the office on a holiday. Can you believe that? I've been tied up all day long with some guy down in Phoenix. Well, this guy doesn't know whether to invest in some apartments that my company acquired right on the eastern part of the city. Perfect investment, you know? The guy's got the capital. Why not invest? Right? Why not? Answered Harvey as he drank the beer slowly. That's right, said Stevenson, who had not touched the whiskey. I says to him, you put down a 5000 today and you don't pay me the rest for 40 days. In the meantime, he's got money coming in from the first of the month. Simple, right? Right, answered the mesmerized Harvey. Right, sure. I explained it to him. Low price, very low price. He's impressed. Gets on the phone, calls the wife. You think the bride would cooperate? No. No, I tell you, she don't want to tie up the money. She hangs up and I explain to him that he'll be making money at those prices. Calls the wife back. She says she wants to think about it. I says, give me the phone. Look, lady, I says, you want a day to think about it, then you take that day. I got business in Temple City on Friday. Good enough? No, not for her. She wants 48 hours to think about it. I said, lady, I'm a busy man. I come all the way down here on the 4th of July. But if you want me to come back on Saturday, I'll come back on Saturday. Then I left her on hold for a few seconds while I throw in the clincher. I says loud enough for the husband to hear. I says, I got a guy up in Temple City that's just itching for these apartments because he knows he can make money off them. Well, if you could have seen anybody move as fast as that guy, he grabs the phone out of my hand. He tells her she didn't earn one cent of his money. And if she hasn't signed for the withdrawal, then he's walking out on her. Now look, Charlie Stevenson's not one to break up any marriage, but this guy was serious, he said as he paused for a second. Close the deal in 20 minutes and headed for Temple City. He smiled and then he drank his whiskey. You haven't got any land around here, have you, Mr. Stevenson? Asked Harvey as Sam looked down at him as if he hadn't heard the question. Call me Charlie, said Stevenson as he sat down to drink. Didn't catch your name, kid. Been here five minutes. I ain't got your name. My name is Harvey Stoner, replied Harvey as he shook Stevenson's hand. Well, Mr. Stoner, I'm just on a stop off to Temple City. I had to check in with the office. I don't want to push anything on either of you two gentlemen, he said as he looked over at Sam. No, I'd, I'd really be interested, repeated Harvey. Well, said Stevenson, looking back at him. I've got some listings in the car. You can look at them if you want them. Yes, I would like that, said Harvey as he finished his second beer. Well, I can go out to the car and get them if you really want to look, he said as he got up from the stool and walked out the door. The guy is the fastest talker I ever saw in my life, said Sam. Hard. What the hell do you need land for? Oh, I wonder if he's got land right near town. Give me another beer. He ordered as Stevenson returned with a black vinyl loose-leaf notebook under his arm. He walked over to the bar and opened up the notebook as they watched. Let's see, uh, Redstone, Redstone, he said as he quickly thumbed through the index. Redstone. I could have sworn my company had listings for Redstone. Ah, maybe not. 
Ah, ah, here it is. Let's look at the map here. He removed the white map of the general area of Redstone. Let's see now. I can't quite make out this plot, he said as he removed a pair of silver rimmed glasses from his suit coat pocket. He looked down at the map at a penciled-in square, which was north of another square with a more definite blue line. Yeah, yeah, this is the one, he said, pointing to the square with the blue dotted line. That dotted line? asked Sam as they tried to orient the land of the town. That's in back of the church, isn't it, Sam? asked Harvey. It <laughs> looks like a small portion of it goes right to the cliffs, laughed Sam. Hey, 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 that may sound funny to you, Sam, but just imagine owning a part of nature's handiwork. Look, somebody could build a nice little house up there, right in front of those cliffs, have a nice front, and the back spread plus a part of the cliffs. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm not trying to push the land on you guys, because to tell you the truth, it's so cheap that it's not even worth it. I usually deal in larger acquisitions, and frankly, I don't even know why I put this one in the book. How many acres is it? Asked the unshaken Harvey. Well, it's uh, eight acres, but... Eight acres? How much are you asking for? Well, as I tried to relate to you before, Mr. Stoner, my company deals strictly in cash. How much? Oh, five thousand. Harvey's eyebrows rose over his glasses and Sam closed his eyes tightly as he shook his head. Would you repeat that? Five thousand? But look, you guys don't even know me. I can't just come in here and pedal off this land on you, said Stevenson, who still gestured with his hands. Well, five thousand dollars for eight acres? laughed Harvey. How do you stay in business? My company collects on debt sold, getting property for a low price. We sell it with a good markup, good commission, and still maintain a low price. Look, I've come busting in here, and I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know about this land until we just looked it up. You guys seem like nice guys, and to tell you the truth, I couldn't care less whether I make the sale or not. I'll drop my commission if you want. I'll take it, said Harvey with a gleeful look in his eyes. Look, uh, Harvey... I'm going up to Temple City, like I said. I should be back here on Saturday. Just take some time and think it over. It's a great buy, but only for someone who can use it. Stevenson's right, Harvey, said Sam. Take some time. You're rushing into this. No, Sam. This is one thing I'm sure of, said Harvey, raising his voice to the bartender. When do you want the money? Well, if I come back Saturday night and you still want the land, you can pay me then. I can meet you, let's say, at 8 o'clock. I'll bring the necessary paperwork, and we can meet in the church parking lot south of town, said Harvey. Very good, very good, but I advise you to think about it, Mr. Stone. If you still feel the same way on Saturday night, then we've got a deal. He said as he put a $20 bill on the counter. This is for my drink and whatever else you gentlemen would like to have tonight, Stevenson said as he put on his hat and placed the loose-leaf notebook under his arm. I'm off to Temple City. Vacant lots at the center of town. Buildings lost in a fire. Hey, thanks for your company, Sam. And Harvey, hopefully we can do business on Saturday night, but please don't feel compelled. No, I'm sure. See you near the church on Saturday night, 8 o'clock, said Harvey as he shook his hand. Good night, gentlemen, he said one final time and tipped his hat as he left the bar room. Sam stared at Harvey for a few seconds after Stevenson left. As Stevenson's sedan sped across the dirt lot, the bartender spoke. And where are you going to get $5,000, Harvey? 
Joe's good for some of it, and I've got the rest. Don't you out of your old Joe money? Yes, Sam. The Harvey didn't answer. You're damn lucky you've got a friend like Joe. Yes, sir, I sure am. As the bartender finished telling the story, he looked up at the men in the waiting room, who were engrossed by what he had said about last Thursday night. It's exactly what happened, Pudge, he said as he pressed his lips together. And did you see either of them again? Can I see that card, Sam? asked Polanski. Sure, I got it right here. He said, pulling the card out from his pocket and handing it to Polanski. Polanski held the card in his hand and he studied it for at least 10 or 15 seconds. Let me see that, Joe. Let me see that, Joe, asked Jensen, and Polanski gave him the card. Oh, L.A., North Hollywood Boulevard. Doesn't make sense. This guy is stupid. Why would he give you his card if he was going to go beat up Harkin? Just because he hadn't planned the attack on Thursday doesn't mean he didn't assault him on Saturday, said Ben. In any event, I'm going to call L.A. about this character. Wait a minute. Pudge, Joe found his here note in uh, Harvey's pocket said Luke as he handed the note to Jensen. The sheriff yanked out his handkerchief and snatched the paper. The hell is this? This doesn't make any sense either, said Jensen as he wrapped the note in the cloth. He turned as the doctor re-entered the room. As the doctor returned to the room, Mr. Stoner died a few minutes ago, he said without emotion. Damn, exhaled Jensen as he stomped away from the doctor. Polanski remained calm. Well, you're calm, Polanski. What do you want me to say, Frank? Harry's dead. It's killers on the loose. He will be caught. It's as simple as that, he said softly. Oh, it's as simple as that, is it? I'm getting on the horn to L.A., he sneered as he stepped outside. Well, I'm going with you, Frank. Well, the hell you are, said Ben. Pudge will call us if anything develops, right, Pudge? Jensen reluctantly nodded his head. Come on, Joe. My car's outside. I'll bring you home. Join us next time for another exciting episode of The Red Light District by Robert P. Fitton. Presented by Fitton Theater of the Words.